Hi, my name is Ruben Porter. I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church, and it's great to have you on our podcast today. We hope this message encourages you, builds you up in your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Tonight, as you'll notice, is, uh, is a little bit different, right? We're, um, we're in the middle of our, well, coming to the end of our Better Now series, uh, which has been focusing on gospel-impacted uh, relationships. And over the last eight weeks, uh, we have been uh, going through the Word, right, looking at the truth, what the gospel really says uh, about how we should be living out uh, gospel-inspired relationships in our lives. Um, and that has been really cool and really valuable. And if you have missed any of those, I do. I really encourage you to head along to our YouTube channel um, and check those out. Catch up because there is some really valuable insight in that um, and some really um, thought-out teaching um, by, by the people that have been preaching in this series. So make sure you go and catch up on all of that. But tonight, what tonight is about, as I say, it looks a little bit different. Uh, we're going to have a panel discussion um, that is just talking about how we live this out, right? Um, how we put this truth into action within our lives. And uh, so we want to talk about that with some people who are uh, walking the walk and have walked the walk, and, um, and, and we want to just glean some wisdom from, from some people in our community that we uh, have recognized um, have real fruit in this area. And um, we just want to honor them for that and, and, and learn from them uh, tonight. And so we have an awesome panel. Why don't we put our hands together for them? And uh, listen, just as, as we do start tonight, I just want to say I, I want us to come at this in, in the right posture tonight because, um, you know, this is a panel conversation, but each and every one of these uh, people I, I know would not say that they are relationship experts or gurus, um, but they are people who have, have been living this out, and, and, and so uh, they have valuable insights. You might not agree with all of it, and that's okay. Um, but we do, we want to learn from these guys and the experiences that they've had. This is testimony that we're listening to tonight. And so um, we want to honor them for that and, and respect them that maybe we will have different opinions, but respect that uh, this is coming from a place of, of their own experience. And so we want to recognize that. But um, why don't we crack into it? We're going to introduce our panelists. And so um, we've got uh, Lester and Anne Houghton with us. We've got um, Isaac and Tamara Peterson and our, our Pastor Ruben Porter. And so um, I just want to go through each of you, and maybe do you want to just say um, your name, how long you've been around at, at Crossroads, and um, why don't we, we start with a little bit of an icebreaker and maybe say um, kind of one embarrassing in story that might have happened as you started dating your, your spouse. Hi. <laughs> I'll go first, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm Lester, but about myself, I'm married to Anne, obviously. Uh, we've been um, uh, worshipping at Crossroads for approximately 20 years. It's been a long time. Um, we're fortunate enough to um, have three children. Um, and um, I, uh, my, my job, I'm a lawyer, uh, practicing in business law and also part of the um, eldership team with um, Ruben and um, three other awesome guys. Um, privileged to be part of that and privileged to serve the church here. Oh, the story. Um, which one are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, um, so I, um, Anne and I hadn't known each other for very long. Um, um, I grew up on a dairy farm, and um, I think it was at the uni ho um, university ho holidays. I think it was a Sunday, so um, Anne was with me. I had to go home and help milk the cows. Now, um, usually sort of partway through the milking, my... Mum would bring down something to eat, some biscuits and a billy of coffee or something like that. And Anne said, well, I'll do that because my mum wasn't there. And she did. And, um, and uh, she brought it down and disappeared back to the house. And we, we came out and I think the biscuits were okay because mum had made them. But the coffee, um, it wasn't too good, eh? And in fact, it was so bad, we had to spit it out on the ground. That was, that was terrible. So we, we, we got Anne back down and said, well, you better come and have a taste of this, Anne. And she did, and I don't think she spat it on the ground, but she might have reluctantly swallowed it or something like that. But, but what we worked out is there's this stuff called Epsom salts. It's really horrible stuff, and mum had a jar of it somehow on the bench, and Anne decided that was the sugar. So she put it, she put it in, and it was the worst coffee you would ever, ever taste. It was really terrible, and poor Anne, I, I think she was extremely embarrassed, but uh, she's, here to, she's here tonight. <laughs> I actually nearly cried. Who puts tea, coffee, Epsom salts on the bench? 
Anyway, so yeah, I'm Anne, and thank you, Lester, for not giving our ages away like you did this morning. Um, married to Lester, um, I am a stay-at-home mum, but my kids have all left home, which is a bit sad, but um, somebody always needs something, so that, yeah, they, they keep coming back like boomerangs. Um, my funny story is that, um, yeah, Lester and I hadn't known each other long, and uh, we went out to a function at a restaurant one night, and he had an eating competition with some friends at an all-you-can-eat buffet. And it seemed to go okay, you know, they made it, they had a winner, I don't know who it was, but they had a winner and they, we all went home. Well, the next day Lester was coming to my parents' place for lunch, and Mum and I had spent all morning preparing this roast dinner for lunch, and Lester turned up and he was green. And uh, he, Mum and I hadn't even got the roast dinner out of the oven, and Lester started vomiting. So he spent the afternoon in our spare room with a bucket and a towel and we had to ask the neighbours over for lunch. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm Isaac. I'm on the pastoral team here at uh, Crossroads and have been coming to Crossroads for about seven years and me and my wife Tamara have been married for the same amount of time as well. We have uh, two little boys who are five and three, um, which is a lot of fun. And um, yeah, and in terms of uh, embarrassing stories, I think... Uh, Early on, when me and Tamara first started dating, we were hanging out one day, and uh, we went to the store, and um, it's sort of a bit of an ulti store, like, um, it was like skateboards, comic books, vinyls, band merch, that sort of thing, and uh, we were down in the t-shirt section that had, like, all the different graphic tees, and just looking at them, and Tamara read one, and it said, I love Mary Jane with a green love heart, and she sort of read it in a way that I was like, uh, I don't think she knows what that means, so I said, oh, what does that mean? She was like, oh, um, you know, like Spider-Man's girlfriend, and... Um, and I said, oh, no, Mary Jane is a slang term for marijuana. Um, and so at that point, I realized that me and Tamara had very different school experiences growing up. Um, so that was going to be something that was going to be a challenge going forward. Hello, so I'm Tamara. <laughs> um, yeah, married to Isaac, yeah, seven years. Um, so this is our perfect year, right? Because seven, the God number for perfection. Um, yeah, and we've been going, going here pretty much that exact time. Um, it's not necessarily like a funny story, but it, we were also allowed to talk about something awkward that our partner did when we were dating. So Isaac and I were in a pretty big friend group, and that's how we sort of got to know each other. Um, but we hadn't really made it official, like it wasn't official yet but there were a few people in our friend group who were dating and had been dating for quite a long time. And one night we were all out um, at a restaurant and at the end the waiter came and was asking how we were splitting the check. That's what you do in America. And um, some of the couples were like, oh yeah, like we're together, we're together. And then Isaac was like, oh yeah, she's with me. And everyone just like went really quiet because it wasn't really official. And he was like, oh, okay, cool, I guess. This is happening. <laughs> so good. What a way to break the ice. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Ruben. I'm the lead pastor here. And I'm married to the lovely Sarah. Um, we've got two beautiful kids, um, Penelope and Maya. Um, and Sarah's at home being a champ with them this evening. And um, we've been married for 10 years this year. And it's been fantastic. And um, we've been coming to Crossroads almost, um, coming up on nine years. <clears throat> so pretty much most of our married life has been at, been at Crossroads. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so I've got lots of stories that are really embarrassing. Um, but I, don't, I, wanna, I won't go through them all. But I've told this one before at church, but it still sticks out as probably the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me. Was the time that I was sitting on a leather chair in Sarah's, you, you remember? Yeah, it was, it was a chair just like this. And now I'm nervous, in case I stick to this one as well. Um, but it was like a red leather chair, and was meeting the family. It was warm. Da da da. Went to stand up. Chair came with me. Jeans were stained red. It was terrible. Face was very red. Yeah, <laughs> humiliated. So that was um, that was that was like the first impression meeting the parents. The yeah. worst. The worst. The worst. Awesome. Why don't we give them a hand? <clears throat> 
Right, so we've heard sort of um, some of what not to do, maybe, when you're starting out in dating. I wonder, do, do a few of you, we'll start with the Houghtons, um, your best advice for, for maybe the first date. There'll be a few, of, a few people in this room that'll be looking to, to take a, a, a girl or a guy out on a date soon, so um, what's your best advice for the first date? Okay, well, first of all, you guys have it so easy. Flick a message, flick a text, job done. Where'd you get on the phone? And sometimes the parents would answer and you had to get through them first before you got to who you wanted to talk to. So, yeah. Um, but a first date. In my opinion, dinner on the first date may not, it's just me, may not be the best idea. I, I think there's just too much risk for awkward silences. And um, if you do decide to go out for dinner, I'd suggest not to order the spaghetti. Um, yeah. To me, I think an activity is good. Um, some bowling or some mini golf or, you know, if you're really nervous about awkward silences and no conversation, maybe a movie, so just steer straight ahead. Yeah, but just oh, relax, try and have, try and have fun. Um, I've got um, um, a helpful hint for the guys and that's um, uh, make sure you don't forget your wallet. And make sure you don't forget her name. <laughs> Very important. Yeah. I could imagine that would be a deal breaker. Um, Ruby, what do you got for us? Yeah, I'm just looking out to see who's taking notes. <laughs> I'm really intrigued. I love all this stuff. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like the idea of um, uh, doing an activity, um, especially um, going along with a bunch of people together. It can be fun. Um, but if you really want to get to know someone, you go for a walk. Spend some time one-on-one. -on -one. Make sure you brush your teeth, pluck your eyebrows, put on some aftershave and look your best. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Basic stuff. Right. Um, so, yeah, basically how we want to structure tonight. We're going to get into it. So um, we, we sort of want to structure tonight. We're going to go through through three different categories. And, and the first is kind of, of singleness, and we've, we've acknowledged that throughout this series better now. Uh, we're going to look at dating and those who might be pursuing relationship and um, and looking forwards to, to what marriage might look like. Uh, and then we're going to look at, at married couples. And, you know, you might find that tonight there is a, a bit of a focus on, on dating and, and, and pursuing relationships. And um, that, is, that is just because we recognize that a lot of the people in, in, in this kind of cohort, in this age group, that is um, where the focus is. But we do want to acknowledge each group tonight as, as well. Uh, and so why don't we start out with, with that um, that this topic of singleness, right? And um, Isaac, you uh, gave us some really valuable insight in your message a couple of weeks ago on, on singleness and, and why somebody might choose to or, or feel called to a life of singleness. Um, I wonder, are you able to just talk through that, that concept of, of feeling called to singleness? I know I talked to people after, um, after your message that week and they were kind of freaking out a little bit, like, oh no, do you think maybe I'm called to singleness? I, I don't really want to be single, but... Um, do you want to talk through that a little bit and, and what that might look like um, and, and knowing what, you, what you're calling in this area is? Yeah, man, definitely. Yeah, first of all, I want to acknowledge, of course, that, um, that I'm not, and so I don't speak from a place of um, experience, and so apologies if I say anything that you're like, if you find yourself in that space and you're like, hey, I don't think that's totally it, but but my um, my understanding, first of all, would be that yeah, some people are called to be single, and doing so is a being called to that is a huge blessing. God uses that in some real cool ways, and there's things that single people can do for the kingdom that those who are married are unable to do. And so, that is a calling that God places on some people's lives. But I do want to clarify that I think, um, though He places that on some people's lives, I don't think it's that common of a calling. I think sometimes because, especially in New Zealand, the age of marriage sort of gets older and older. Um, people sort of in their late 20s and stuff start to worry about like, oh man, am I called to be single? Um, what if I am and I just haven't realized? Uh, and I think most of the time when somebody is called to being single, um, there's usually because there's like another specific thing that they're doing and that's why they're single. Like uh, Ruben shared a story of a lady um, last week who was called to go be a missionary in Africa and... Um, you know, the Apostle Paul, he was single for the sake of the kingdom. And so they were pretty confident in that. But um, as you notice, pretty much most of us on the panel um, are either married or don't feel called to singleness. And uh, this morning we, we had a lady, who, a Philippa, who's a widow, and she shared some great insight. But as we asked the community, um, people who were single, hey, would you like to come on the panel? Most people said, I am single, but I don't feel called to it. And so though there is a calling that is on people's lives and we want to uh, celebrate those people and encourage those people, 
it isn't that common. And so if you're single and maybe getting a little bit older and you're like, oh, what if I'm called and I just haven't realized, um, don't, don't worry about it. Like, I think if you are, that it'll be pretty clear. But if not, um, hey, we still just keep living for God and live for the kingdom. And if somebody comes into our life, awesome. Um, if not, then hey, we've still got a valuable community here, great ways to connect with each other, support each other, be together, create that sort of family dynamic uh, that's important within church community. So um, yeah, so there's value in community, whether you're called to it or not. And if you are called to it, that's, a more, that's awesome. And we want to celebrate that. But I think that's not a very common thing. Yeah, cool, cool. Thanks for that, Isaac. And um, yeah, I do encourage you that, um, you know, if this is something you want to kind of see a different perspective from, um, Philippa this morning just did an excellent job of, um, of talking around the subject. She um, was in the position where she, she raised a family and, and, and she had a loving husband and then unfortunately he passed away. And so for the last um, kind of um, decade or so, she's um, been, been walking as a, as a widow and in a life of singleness and um, she had some really valuable insights. So make sure you go back and have a look at that. Um, but a lot of what we talked about this morning around this, right, is that, you know, um, when, when we are single, that is, um, there, there's a practical challenge to that, right? There's a, a challenge of um, some might find loneliness in those seasons, whether or not you're, you're single um, because you feel called to it, or if you're, you're just in a season where, where you're single at this time. Um, th- there's loneliness in that um, sometimes, and, um, and we have to counteract that with community. And I wonder, um, Ruben, do you want to just speak to a little bit about um, how we might hold hold these these seasons of singleness and and um, and and live in healthy community during those times. Yeah, so I think um, not to steal Philippa's lines, but she shared something this morning was really interesting. She's got a brother who's in his seventies and he's in a retirement village with about what she say about fifty people around him, um, but he's incredibly lonely, right? Um, loneliness is a real killer. Um, if you talk to the elder elderly generation in our church. Um, they would say loneliness is something that is, is a real struggle for them. Um, and, and loneliness comes in the form of um, not having that sort of intimate community. Um, Philippa really leaned into that this morning when she talked about one of the ways that she combats loneliness is by giving up herself into her friendships, um, serving in her community, uh, and being around, um, being around people. Um, I remember having this conversation a while ago with uh, a group of girls um, who were part of a church community who were single, and they said one of the biggest things that upsets them is that often if they're older in life or they're, you know, they're getting older and they're single, um, sometimes people exclude them because they don't want to offend them or like we don't want you to keep asking you to babysit our kids or we don't know if we should invite them or not. Um, <clears throat> and I asked them, so how do you feel about that? And their response was, well, we just want to be invited and included in that. We want to be part of the community. And that's, and that's the way that, you know, Isaac and I have been talking about this a lot recently, but changing the sort of... Um, how do you describe it, but be, just changing the culture that, that singleness doesn't have to be this sort of big, whoa, like they're like lonely, they're going to be set apart, but actually single people are a massive part of our community and they should be included in every way, shape and form that they absolutely can. Um, and that's what we, we're passionate about seeing. So if you are single and you're feeling that way, then we would love to see how we can get you connected and be part of a, part of a, a community much bigger than yourself. But it shouldn't be the case, but at times it is. Um, and loneliness can be a real struggle. So for us as a community, as a church, we want to see that change. We want to see it, uh, that, you know, I explained last week, we sort of have the idea of the Christian dream, which is to get married, you know, buy a house, two kids, golden doodle. No offense to those who have golden doodles. But it's, it's, it's sort of been the way for a long time that this is how the church portrays the successful Christian life. But like there's so much truth in God's word that comes from single people who have changed the course of the New Testament right through um, all the early church. Um, and we've just got to lean into that and say there is a space for single people in our community, and they are valuable, real valuable. Yeah, yeah, and there's huge, huge blessing in that time, right? And so dig into what God um, is, is doing through you and what he might want to do through you in this time. And yeah, um, yeah thanks for that, that Ruben. Um, as I say, I, I just so encourage you if, you, if you want to hear more on that, um, make sure you head along to the YouTube stream from this morning. Um, we're going to move on now, and I, I want to speak to you, you guys, the Houghtons, um, you're talking about kind of pursuing relationships. A lot of the time we hear it, it kind of batted around, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for the one or I'm looking for the, the one. Um, do you believe that there is a one, a specific person that you just can't miss? Do you believe that there's, there's multiple people in your path and you just end up choosing your one? What do we think around this? 
Okay, so before I answer that question, um, there's just one thing I'd like to say first, and that is God needs to be our first love. He commands it, and he deserves it. Uh, he created it. He created you. He saved you, and he loves you, and has great plans for your life. And that is the relationship that we were created for, is the one with God. So that's the first thing. So, does he choose who we marry? Um, and this is just what I think. Uh, no, he doesn't. Um, in the same way, he doesn't choose our jobs, uh, where we live, or what church we go to. God gives us instruction and guidance through prayer and the Bible, but he also gives us choices and free will. He will bring people across our paths, but ultimately we decide who the one is. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for that, Anne. That's, that's really valuable. Um, how do we know, maybe, Ruben, do you want to speak to this? How do we know, so we've just talked about that, that the one is, is, is our own choice, um, but, you know, we, we talk about about dating being something that prepares us for marriage. Um, is there any one-set rule on how we know when we've, when we've found the one that we, we can settle down with and, and uh, start that family and get the golden doodle with? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, sorry, what was the question? Like, in like, how, how do we know if we've found the one? I was distracted by the golden doodle. Um, <laughs> how do we know we've found the one? Well, like, sorry for the cliche, but you'll know. Um, in one sense, if you think that way, like, you know, I found the one, um, because I found plenty of the wrong ones first, and it was apparent, like, it was very obvious to me that this wasn't meant to be, um, number of reasons would, would be for that, um, I think, like, you know, for Sarah and I, it's quite unique in the sense, um, she, she, she lived, you know, further away from me, so we had to, you know, travel a bit of long distance, and um, we did use a phone as well. Actually, the call wasn't just text messages, and um, f for us it was like, all right, if we want to make a go of this, like we've really got to, like, you know, seek God in this. And and she was someone who uh, just really inspired me in her faith. So for us, it was really about like, okay, we we have the intentions that we want this relationship to work, but now we want to seek God and say, God, is this is this something you want us to pursue? And um, it was pretty obvious to us pretty quickly that it was, in fact, the you know she was the one, and um, that was that was probably the, that morning we prayed and that evening and I found out she was the one. So uh, it, it was. I'm not joking. I'm not just saying that for fun. Honestly, we we were. It was pretty instant that we knew God was calling us to be together, and we sort of said after the first official date that we could see each other being married together. Months later, we picked it a ring. Eight months later, we were engaged, and a year later, we were married. So, um, it does happen. Whether you think that that's the specific one that you, you know, were destined for, but um, I, I believe fully when you seek God in that, He will, He will, He will answer your prayer if it's if it's meant to be. And um, I'm so thankful that He answered the prayer. Yeah, how cool. Can I reply to that? Too? Absolutely. Is it all right? Um, my answer to it is. How do you know when you find the found the one? Um, I don't. You don't. It, it's a process of being led by God and getting to know the person, and then taking a step of faith. Um, I don't think there's any perfect matches, perfect relationships, or perfect marriages. And and relationships can be really hard, and they take commitment. Um, hard. I don't mean all the time. It shouldn't be hard all the time. Um, you know, this time in your life, the dating time should be just so much fun and, and exciting and joyful. Um, it should be some of the best times in your life. And, um, yeah, when you're, when you're looking for that special person, um, my advice would be try not to have expectations on them that you can't live up to yourself. Mm. Um, the person that you meet could think really differently to you. Um, and that doesn't mean you're not meant to be together. I think that just means you can complement each other. And there could be some truth in opposites attract. And buckle up, people, I've got more. Um, <laughs> some of the things that, you know, we, when, when I was looking for a husband, I had three things that I wanted. I wanted um, a man who loved God, someone who was kind, and someone who was funny. That was it, three things. Here he is. Um, but nowadays, I think things get a little bit more complicated. But what, what I do, um, first and foremost, do they love Jesus? Most important. Then, how do they make you feel? 
how do they treat you? Are they kind and thoughtful? Do they build you up and make you feel good about yourself? Do they encourage you in your faith and bring you closer to God like Reuben was talking about last week? Do you get butterflies when you're around them? And when they're not there, are you thinking about them all the time? Do they make you happy? What I wouldn't be doing is asking things, saying, saying things in your mind like, well, I get up at six, they get up at seven, it's not going to work. They're happy to leave the dishes in the sink till the morning. Not going to work, deal breaker, I'm not doing that. And my quiet time goes for half an hour. These only goes for 10 minutes. And they don't know who Elisha is in, in the book of Jeremiah. It's just never going to work. So that, I wouldn't look at those things. I'd be looking at their heart. Um, how, how are they with other people? And can you be yourself around them? Good. Oh, good. Why don't we give her a hand? Yeah. And that's just that's awesome insight. Um, the the word deal breaker just got chucked out from the congregation earlier, and I wonder, Petersons, do you just want to maybe talk to that just a little bit more on you know? I mean, Tamara, I mean, looking at Isaac, I mean, he's checking all the boxes, right, from the outside looking in. Um, yeah. But you know, w- when you're going in the, the, the dating with Isaac, you know, were there, were there check boxes? Was were there um, deal breakers? And and how should we hold hold these? Um, these desires, you know, kind of healthily, I guess, is, is what I'm asking. Deal breakers. Mm. Well, I am a bit of a weirdo because I did have a list um, that I made when I was 12 years old because I went, I went to a church camp and our church leader told us to. I don't know why. But she, <laughs> she was like, all of you go back to your bed and I want you to make a list of the things. Yeah, I know, at 12. Anyway, so I did make a list. Um, yeah, and there was some random stuff, obviously, because I was 12. But one of them, I think, was that he was over six feet tall. So you check that one. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you're right, like, holding it loosely. I think, like, um, I think for me, the biggest thing, I mean, obviously, Anne said a lot of things that I would say, too, you know, obviously loves God. But Isaac makes me a better person. He makes me a better Christian. And I remember when we were dating... Um, just realizing, ah, if we broke up or if I didn't continue to pursue this relationship, I actually don't think I would be better. Um, I think that I'm better because of Isaac, and he was the first guy who could call me out on things. And for me, that was huge. Um, I think you need that, to someone to be able to put you in their place. Um, when, when you need to, you know, like, I don't know. Isaac helps me grow in my faith. And I think that's huge. But um, there were some things, like to be honest, there were a few things that were on my list that um, were really, really important to me, even when we were dating. Um, I mean, Isaac shared a, a little bit about his past when he was a teenager. We had very different, very different personalities in some ways. Um, and I think initially I probably would have preferred if he had not had a wild phase. But... Um, at the end of the day, I had to be like, okay, am I, is that going to be a deal breaker for me? Am I going to not look at the person he is now and the great leader that he is? And I mean, I just like him. You know, like it, it really is, Anne's right, like it really doesn't have to be that complicated. Like Isaac's my best friend. And I think at the end of the day, that's super, super valuable and super important. Yeah. So one, one of the things I think, like, and this sort of helps where, where this conversation is going, is that um, I think we all have like preconceived ideas who we would like our perfect person to be. Um, but what I found with, especially with Sarah, was that um, I may have the, like had these things in my head where like a, they were a deal breaker, but it didn't. It just didn't matter, and I was able to like think past those things straight away because I just knew that. You know, we were connecting on a different level, and a lot of the things are usually pretty superficial um, and surface-level things that you know really don't have um, a whole lot of meaning behind them. But things like you know an intimate relationship with God—that's hugely important. You know, good eyes, you know, look out on life, and you know, a, a desire to achieve things, all that sort of stuff. But I felt like there were some things in my mind was like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't know if this will work. It's sort of this, the you know, the longer and the more I got to know her. Um, the more I realized it just didn't matter. It just didn't matter. I'd found someone who I deeply loved, deeply cared about, um, became my best friend, and that was, it was it was easy to see past those things. There's very few, like, there were a lot more her on me than those <laughs> elder around. 
Awesome. Uh, Lester, I want to come to you um, with a, a question that was sent in to us. Um, and uh, it's about kind of pursuing the one. And it says, traditionally men are the ones who do the pursuing um, and pursue a girl. How should a girl handle being interested, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this as well, and uh, being interested in a guy? Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, I think that's not really a, a, a... I don't think we can get the answer from the Bible on that one. I think it's more of a, a cultural um, question. And obviously in New Zealand culture, it's generally the guys that um, will do the asking. Um, that's apparently not the case in all parts of the world, um, but it is, it, is, it is in New Zealand. Um, so I guess um, if a girl wants to be a little bit countercultural, and remember Jesus was countercultural, um, then she might be brave enough to, to do that and shouldn't, shouldn't be uh, criticised for doing so, I don't think. That being said, um, in our research on this, um, on this question, um, we have found out that guys probably in most cases would prefer to do the asking, uh, but a little bit of an expression of interest or encouragement uh, goes a long way from the girl's side. So <laughs> Sometimes they need the nudge, eh? Little, little <laughs> nudge. And, and, <laughs> Anne might have a comment on that as well, I'm not sure. Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, you haven't? Oh, well, you sure? You sure? We just appreciate the love in the back of the room. Fantastic. <laughs> have to say, you guys are incredibly um, happy tonight. You're full of smiles, I love it. Just side note, keep going. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, no, too good. Right, so um, I hate to bring the mood down now, but, you know, <laughs> along with um, relationships also comes breakups sometimes, right? And uh, we, uh, you know, we are, we're, most of us will be looking for uh, people that love God, like kind of um, we talked about before. Uh, and so often that takes place in the context of, of church community and inside the local church. Isaac, I wonder, would you be able to talk to us just a little bit about um, what does a healthy breakup or how should a healthy breakup look like within church community, right? These are people that, you know, we're going to be around and, you know, this is a bigger church, but it's, you know, still relatively small when, when these things happen. And so um, could you talk us through maybe a little bit about what healthy breakup might look like within the church? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think even before we get to what that looks like, I think there's a few steps we could take that would mean that they would be less likely to take place. I think in New Zealand culture, there's this, or maybe it's just New Zealand Christian culture, I don't know, but there's a sort of this weird thing where, like, you don't know that people have been, like, getting to know each other until it's, like, official sometimes. Like, people are like, oh, yeah, we're already dating, and we're like, had no idea. Um, and I think, like, it seems like there's this huge pressure of, like, we got to get this right. we got to make sure that this person could be the one, and so we, don't, we keep it quiet, we don't talk about anything, and then we'll finally say it when we're pretty confident this could go somewhere. But I think um, I think that's unnecessary. Like I think it's totally appropriate to just date and be like, "Hey, I'm interested in marrying. You're interested in marrying. Um, do you want to just go grab dinner, or go to a movie, or go for a hike? Just get to know each other a little bit. If it doesn't pan out or sort of go anywhere, then that's fine. We'll just continue being friends, and it doesn't have to be weird. Um, and I think that's fine. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. Just relax. And it's fine to go out on a date and not go anywhere. And that'd be fine. And you continue hanging out. Um, we had a pretty yeah, large group of friends. Uh, there was a girl in that group of friends that I went on a few dates with. And yeah, didn't really go anywhere. And, and so then we just continued to hang out. And it wasn't weird because it was not this sort of expectation of like, you guys are going on a date, so you're probably getting married. It was just we're both looking for somebody to marry. And we were just seeing if we were compatible people. And um, yeah, and it didn't pan out. So I think, first of all, um, just feel free to date and don't put that pressure on yourself. But, of course, there will come a time when you will then enter into a relationship and you're pretty confident in, in that, and it might still um, break apart. Um, I think within that, um, in a church community like this, fortunately, like there's quite a large church community, so there is the opportunity to give each other some space when you're in a place like this. And I think it's good to give each other a, a bit of room. I think... Um, and you had some great advice on it, so I'll let you share it in a minute rather than me say it, but I think it'd be good to talk things out as well. Um, and then I think, yeah, just give each other some time. Um, but don't be, you know, rude to each other, like 
say hi, be friendly, that sort of thing. I uh, don't have to make it awkward, but I think it's important for there to, to be a bit of time, be a bit of space. Um, I probably wouldn't jump immediately into an, another relationship straight away. Uh, I don't have like a time frame on that. Like I'm like, it's got to be this amount of time. But I remember I was dating one girl one time, we broke up. And about six months later, I started dating someone else. And in hindsight, I, I felt like that specific situation was just too soon. Like I didn't need to be jumping back into something that quickly. It wasn't helpful for the person that I had previously broken up with. Um, so that instance, I was like, ah, that was that was too soon. I'd read a study like uh, a number of years ago where it said it takes about 18 months for a person to get over somebody else. Um, so. Um, you know, I'm not saying then that it's got to be 18 months, but you're, you're likely to find within that period there'll be days where you miss that person or you just think about something. So um, I think, yeah, give yourself some space before you jump back in. But again, if if the um, culture is dating, right, then it's not this pressure of like, well, we just broke up and now I'm immediately going to become this person's girlfriend or this person's boyfriend. After a few months or however long, you can start going on some dates again and then as you get to know each other, that takes some time. So it's probably going to be a while before you actually become officially girlfriend and boyfriend. Did you want to share some of your, your thoughts, Anne? I thought you had some really good ones. Um, yeah, well, just on the healthy breakup thing, I think, um, I didn't say this this morning, but I think if you've still got feelings for someone else, it's a really bad idea to... Um, get into something with someone else because it's not fair on that person. Yeah. They're, they're trying to fill a void that someone else has left in your life and that just, that, it's not fair. Um, I did, also didn't say this this morning. I think friends have um, a big role to play in um, uh, in the healing of a breakup. I, th I think their role is to just be totally non-judgmental on either side and to be peacemakers. I think friends, yeah, friends and family, that's their role in a, in a breakup. But yeah, my, my thoughts were actually for the, for the next question. Can I, can I introduce that, Jake? Go for it. Okay. So the next question was, we hear of many relationships that are now healthy marriages but have had breakups in their dating phase. Um, how should you know when to give up on getting someone back? So um, start with the breakup. Um, I think with, when there's a... When there's a breakup, at the time of the breakup, both parties need the time and the space to say exactly how they're feeling. One will be feeling disappointed and possibly heartbroken. Um, and I think, yeah, both sides need to be completely honest and even vulnerable and get their feelings out with no regrets, get it all out on the table. Because I'm not sure that actively pursuing someone who has broken up with you is a good idea. I think it's maybe more of a case of um, a time thing to see what happens next, just a waiting, seeing what happens next. And maybe it's a case of the person that's done the breaking up maybe having a change of heart and that's how you get back together. That's really valuable. Thanks, Anne. Um, I want to um, talk, Ruby, um, just, just before we wrap up this kind of section on dating, um, could you maybe talk just a little bit about our, our posture going into dating and what the purpose of dating really is? You know, um, is it okay? You know, as we're as we're getting to know people, is it okay if we're going in um, without the intention of marriage? How should we how should we be looking at a, a relationship going in, into dating? Yeah, that's a it's a great question, and um, I think. You know, it, it, it depends on when you, what age you begin dating. Um, I was four um, when I started dating. Uh, and they weren't really serious relationships, um, even though I thought Isabel they were, from room two. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the principal's daughter. It was a bad move. Um, no, I think, like, you know, um, as a parent now who's got two girls, oh, and um, it, it's important that... That, that we portray like the purpose of dating is to get to know someone so that you could spend the rest of your life with them. Um, I think from what you've heard this evening that we, we strongly encourage dating. I think it's a good thing. It's important to do it with um, you know good boundaries in place. Um, you know we want to do it well. We don't want to hurt people in the process. But it is okay to to date, um, and it's okay to take someone out for coffee and go for spend time alone together. Um, but I definitely think, you know, my sort of own personal experience was not one of, um, one that you would say that was healthy. Um, so from my, my experience would be don't do anything I did. 
uh, in that sense, but more um, like my desire is to spend the rest of my life with someone, so therefore these are the, this is the reason why we're getting together. Um, and I think it's really important that both people know that. Like, you know, it's really important. You're not going to say on your first date, by the way, I'm, I'm here for marriage and that's it. There's nothing else. But actually, no, I'm, I'm actively looking to find my life partner. Um, and this is why I'm choosing to date at the moment. I think it's important that people know why you're dating. Um, so there's just no doubt. I think, like, you can't underestimate the power of communicating really clearly why you're doing what you're doing. And that becomes so, so powerful in the relationship. Um, if a, like, you know, if a female is... Um, dating you and you're, and you're not telling them like well my my intention is to spend the rest of my life with you then the, I think it gets a bit confusing so if there's not a purpose for this could potentially become marriage then it's just it could be it could be really hurting and really damaging on someone so I think you know dating should be that tool that's used to help us get to know someone better for marriage. Tamara um, I, I just want to come to you um, one of our young adult submissions was kind of talking about the the period of kind of of Waiting for the one, or for want of a better, better term, right? And um, when we're when we're in the season of singleness, and um, and so I, I wonder, could you just talk a little bit, maybe, about um, what you think? Are, and this is a young adult's question. You know, what are some healthy um, ways that I can be preparing myself uh, to to either be married or in a relationship in the future? Hmm. Um. Yeah, the first thing I'll say may not sound super nice, but I think actually learning to be content with where you're at is actually really valuable Um, because, as Isaac said this morning, actually, the grass always looks greener on the other side. Um, So Isaac was my first boyfriend, and we met when I was 22, so I was single up until then. Um, And I hated it. Well, not all of it. But it was really frustrating, especially in where I'm from in the States. Um, All of my siblings were married by 21. My parents were married at 21. And so the fact that I hadn't even had a boyfriend at 22, I was like, Um, So, you know, there are are challenges with that, especially if a lot of people in your friend group have somebody and you don't. But I think um, being content and learning about yourself, learning about what do you want, you know, what would you want in a partner? What are some characteristics and, and qualities? And then I think um, if you really are serious and or even you are dating somebody, going and talking to someone who's married, who's in that next phase. I remember when Isaac and I were dating, talking to someone who'd been married, um, not for super long, just for a few years. And I was like, hey, what's been really hard about marriage? What are some things that I can be doing now? What are some questions I should be asking Isaac? I think that's super valuable if you've got someone mentoring you um, in your life. But yeah, I think if you can learn to be content with who you are and where you're at as as much as you possibly can, leaning on the Holy Spirit, then I think when you get paired up with someone or when you're date when you are dating someone, um, you're not necessarily looking to them to complete you or to f- fill some some hole. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Why don't we just give a hand again? Just so much insight we're gaining tonight. I want to. Um, I, I just want to move into 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 marriage now, um, and I'll, I'll come to you, Houghtons. Um, the, the first question I, I want to ask is: it's it's often said that communication is the key to healthy marriage. Um, can you give some examples of healthy and unhealthy communication? How we can grow in this area? Okay, so mine are very practical bullet points. Um, Be clear with your spouse about what your needs are. They are not mind readers. So, yeah. And I've discovered from experience um, that silent treatment doesn't work. This is probably going into the conflict thing, but this is in my communication area as well. Um, Silent treatment doesn't work. Lester quite likes it. (laughs) Yeah. Bit of peace and quiet, um, and I, uh, yeah, yeah, mine's moving more into into um, the the conflict. But hang on, I'll pick through it. Nitpicking and nagging, it's not helpful. Not great communication. Um, but I think everybody loves to be told when they've done a good job, whether you're married or not, um, and to be thanked is great communication. Um, and I think uh, for me. Really get in touch with what makes your spouse happy. Or yeah, 
Um, this won't come as a, well, no, this is a morning church thing, but people who know Lester know he's not a hugger. Hugging Lester is like trying to hug a surfboard. He's, you know, <laughs> and and he's, he's not into PDA. I know what that is, do you? Yeah. Good, excellent. Um, <laughs> I know that his, his love language is quality time, and he loves for me to go for walks with him even when it's blowing a gale and freezing cold outside, and I'm like, really? When, when what I should be doing is um, putting on a coat and a hat, dropping the attitude, and go happily. It, it, it costs me a bit of time, but it communicates to Lester that I want to spend time with him, even if it's not doing exactly what I want to do. Um, and how do you grow? You practice and you practice and you practice and you step out of your comfort zone and you tell your spouse what you love about them, even if it feels weird and awkward. Just do it. Um, and I'll throw in... No, I won't. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you want to... Oh, sorry. You want to say something? Yeah, yeah well, um, yeah, the communication thing's um, um, interesting and I think for... Um, Possibly the guys here. Um, I, I think sometimes we're not good communicators, not as good as the, the ladies. Um, I, I think they speak a few more words than the guys. Um, so we've just got to be aware of that. Um, sometimes, um, yes, there'll be more said on one side than the other. Um, but sometimes I think we have to sort of up our, our game on the communication a bit because it's very easy to sort of come home and um, what have you been doing? You know, if you're, you're married and... Um, I think sometimes guys tend to hold things, hold them things to themselves. It's a bit of a guy thing, but um, as a married couple, I think we've got an obligation to uh, do better and uh, don't just um, um, sit back on. I'm a guy. I don't say too much. Uh, uh, we do owe a duty to our to our wives to sort of be a little bit more open and sometimes be comfortable with. Um, so yeah, communication. Yeah, really good. Did you have something there, Ruben? Yeah, um, <clears throat> so I think like, you know, Lester and Anne are now grandparents and stuff and your kids have grown up, so you have that time that you can set aside to do it. Um, and as you can tell me, you're in the same boat as me when it comes to like life's full on at the moment, two small kids. Um, and it's often, you know, sometimes we'll go through the week and think, man, like Sarah and I just haven't talked. <laughs> you know, we've passed by each other, we've took the kids here, dropped them there, da 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 um, so one of the things that we introduced um, recently in, in our week is that we have like a, a, a scheduled meeting once a week in the calendar, um, which is where like we, like we have actually an agenda for this meeting and we work through the agenda and it's things like we work through our finances, what's coming up in the calendar, um, you know, what we're, what we're doing this weekend or, you know, what we need to get babysitters for or whatever. And honestly, it's been super helpful because often we'll say to each other in passing, oh, do you remember we've got this this week? And no one's put it in the calendar and it's like all of a sudden, it's just like you're just passing each other again. And, oh, we need to find something for this. So what we thought was just really helpful, and I can't remember, Sarah found this somewhere. She said that, you know, setting that time aside once a week to sit down and be really intentional about communicating with one another and make sure that we um, understand each other where, what, what the week looks like. And we also use that time then to go through a devotion together, pray together, pray for each other, pray for how we parent and stuff like that. So it's just been fantastic. That's probably more geared towards people mm. who are really busy mm. and life's a bit full on for them at the moment. But I think it's super important and we do it every Friday at one o'clock. So don't come to my house at one o'clock on a Friday. <laughs> and that's important to have structure, right? Mm. So, so that when you do get busy, that that, that doesn't fall through the cracks. Yeah. Um, Lester, I, I want to ask you, you know, when um, in a marriage, when you're, you're chasing after God together, right, because you're two individuals, um, but you're chasing after God together, there's decisions to be made in a marriage, um, and, and there's, there's things to seek God on together. I wonder, could you speak a little bit, just from your experience, just some healthy routines or practices that you do and when you're um, seeking after God together as a, as a married couple? Um, I don't know if that's on your list, Dan, is it? Or, uh, it's, not on, it's a new question. I'm, throwing you. Um, I'm sorry. We'll give it a crack anyway. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, think, I think a real, real important thing in, um, in marriage, um, and uh, probably it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's not something that you'd be surprised about, is to uh, pray together. 
Um, I think that's that's incredibly important, and we we certainly do um, every morning. Um, and at, at, at that time, um, um, it's it gives you time just to sort of um, talk about some of the things. You know, if you're going to be praying about things, you're going to be talking about some of the things that you want to pray about. Things on your mind, things of concern. Um, so that's a. I think that's one of the things that's a, a real um, as a married couple. A re real important um, and a, a real good building block uh, going forward. Um. I think what um, what you were meant to ask, Jake, <laughs> is uh. what is what does walking as one look like in the context of marriage? Yeah, go with that. So go I'll with go that. with that. Okay. So to for me, walking as one is it's like a unity between um, a married couple in every area of your life that you can think of. Um, it's when two lives come together uh, emotionally, intellectually, financially, spiritually and um, intimately like Reuben talked about last week. Um, and yeah, any, any other way you can think of. And a married couple will balance out each other's weaknesses and strengths and that is how they can fulfil the, the plans that God has for their lives as a couple. Awesome, yeah. Um, sorry to throw you there, guys, but um, I'll, I'll give you just to, just as we wrap up. And do you want to just hold on to that mic? And um, we, we started talking just briefly earlier on about just kind of conflicts resolution within marriage. And I know that the Petersons as well. I'd love your insight on this in, in terms of um, with um, with having children in the house as well. But can, what what does healthy conflict resolution look like within a marriage? And we'll start with you, Anne. I love how these guys all sit here with no notes. <laughs> I've written a thesis. <laughs> Okay, uh, in any marriage, there's going to be arguing, disagreements, frustrations, hurt, even maybe some shouting, um, but we can choose how to deal with that, and it does have to be dealt with. You can't sweep it under the rug. Unresolved issues can fester and just become a bigger problem and explode, making a real mess. So I've got my bullet points again. So how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. Make a joint decision to keep short accounts with each other. So that means um, working through conflict as quickly as you can. Um, forgive each other regularly and don't keep a score. You can't say, I forgive you, but it stops it, I forgive you. Um, try not to talk or resolve when you're angry or tired. Practice the self-discipline of self-control. Yeah, the discipline of self-control and be reasonable. Um, it's better to say nothing than to say something hurtful and regretful. Um, and we talked about this the other night before we got together, and call a timeout if you need to, um, get some fresh air, listen to music, pray, I clean. I clean the house. Stuff gets done when we've disagreed. Stuff gets done at our place. So, yeah, apologise when you need to. Um, this is a big one for me. Don't talk about your spouse in a negative way to anybody else. That's huge. Yeah. That's me. Awesome. Petersons, do you want to just carry on from that? Yeah, I think um, for us, like, um, I know some people would say, oh, you don't argue in front of your kids. And um, and there would be, like, certain things that we wouldn't talk about in front of the kids. But uh, for myself, like, I grew up in an environment where, like, arguing was super one-sided. Tamara grew up in an environment where arguments just never happened. Um, it was all sort of just kept tense. And so we, we made the decision that actually... We want our boys to learn how to like disagree well, and like, and not saying that we do it well all the time. They also see when we get it wrong, but um, you know that they can see, oh, mum and dad like don't agree on this. They're talking it out, they're working it out, and they've come to a resolution. And then you know we're going on about you know with our day as a family, and it didn't sort of derail the entire thing. Or and so um, yeah, I want the boys to see that I make mistakes. I want them to to see that I work at like rectifying those. I want to see them to see that. Yeah, we don't always um, see eye to eye, but we talk it out and we work it out. And um, yeah, I just want them to be healthy humans in that way that they can be like, cool, like I've got an example of what disagreeing well looks like. Um, and it wasn't all sort of behind closed doors and we never saw it and we never knew. Um, so so that's sort of been our take. And I know it wouldn't be everybody's, but that's um, yeah, the way we've gone about it. Yeah, well, I guess all I would add to that is, um, man, marriage is hard. Like, i got to be honest, it's really hard. Um, some, Yeah, sometimes harder than others. Um, Isaac and I, I feel like we had an amazing first year. Um, 
I remember before we got married, people were like, oh, the first year's the hardest because you're figuring things out and you learn things about each other. But I feel like for us, it was just really great. It was really awesome just spending so much time together. And I think uh, when we had our first child, it was probably the most challenging time for us. Yeah, that tiredness, lack of sleep, and you making a lot of decisions. And um, yeah, so like, you know, there's highs and lows like any relationship. And I think just as a female, I have to sometimes put my feelings aside. Um, and I think, you know, media is really negatively influencing us in like a lot of ways like that, you know, your partner is going to make you happy all the time and that's just not true. Um, and, you know, there will be times when they're not going to make you happy and when they do um, hurt you and disappoint you. And I think just, yeah, forget forgiving and like you said, not keeping, not keeping a score and just being really, really easy to go to God sometimes um, with that hurt and you trying to be a light and you sacrificially loving them um, even when it's hard. Because, you know, we can sit up here and um, talk about the good times and how easy it is. But, you know, you might be going through a really challenging season and that's really right. hard and it's okay to... Um, be honest about that and ask, even ask for help. You know, there's been times I've talked to people who are maybe further on in their marriage and asked them for, for advice. Um, and, um, yeah, and just remember what you first loved about that person. You know, it's the same like with our, our faith relationship. Like, it can be so easy. You know, with the baptism, you think about, I was just thinking about, wow, like, I remember when I, like, first became a Christian, how excited you are, and that's how you are when you first get married. And it can be easy to... Um, forget that and to forget those things that drew you to each other when you're really mad at your spouse. Um, so yeah, like there's going to be hard seasons and hard times and that doesn't mean that your marriage is terrible or that you should call it quits. Yeah, you got you to gotta hang tight sometimes. Awesome. Thanks, Tamara. Hey, listen, um, I could sit here, I don't know about you guys, I could sit here and learn from these guys um, all night, but um, I am aware of the time and so we're, we're going to wrap up the, the panel now, but Come on, one more time, guys, as, as the music team kind of comes up. Can we just honor these guys? Um, we're just so grateful for, for the courage and boldness that um, they've, they've had in, in stepping up and, and taking on this, this role tonight. And I know I was talking to Anne earlier on, and she said I'd be more comfortable getting up and singing the solo. But, um, she, yeah, so, um, but listen, but we're so grateful for, for them and, and what they've done. Sorry, Jake, there's just one question that I've been dying to answer. Oh, let's go. So there was a young adult submission from someone saying that, um, why is it not okay to have several wives? <laughs> well, I know a lot of you guys, and you definitely couldn't even handle one. So. <laughs> That's good advice, good advice. Hey, um, why don't we all just stand together, um, and I just want to wrap this this thing in prayer. And I wonder, Ruben, would you mind just kind of praying for us as a community um, in whatever stage we, we might be in, um, but just wrap us up in prayer, Ruben. Yes, Father, we are we are so grateful um, uh, for the relationships that are represented on tonight's panel that we've discussed, and uh, Lord, we're just really grateful for everyone who's just given some thoughts and some wisdom on where they've been and um, the journey in which they've walked. Uh, Lord, but I can't help but just think about the most important relationship, and that's our relationship with you. Lord, uh, we talked about it a bit last week that... Um, you know, there's no earthly relationship that can ever fulfill what the relationship with Jesus can in our lives. So, Lord, we are so grateful that the most important relationship that we can have ever is a one that is committed to following Jesus. And, Lord, I pray, and my, our prayer is, as a leadership of this church, is that everyone who comes in through these doors or that we interact with will come to know Jesus as their own and personal Savior. So, Lord, we want to tell you that, that you, we love you and because you first loved us, and Lord, as we go about our relationships and we think about how we go about that in day-to-day -day life, Lord, we just pray that your spirit will go, go with us, go before us. May we act and um, have the attitude of Christ-like followers. And Lord, as we think about the people in this room who are thinking about dating or um, are engaged or are feeling potentially called to singleness or are married, Lord, I pray your blessing upon them and whatever shape or form they they're in, Lord. I, I just pray, Lord, that, that through all of it, they'll seek you as their own and personal Savior, Lord, right at, this for, at, the, at the forefront of that. 
Um, and Lord, we want to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise because you are worthy, Lord. You are so, so worthy. We love you. And all God's people say, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you'd like any more information on our church, how to give, or after this message you'd like to talk to someone, you can find everything you'll need to know on our website, crossroads.co.nz. Make sure you subscribe to this channel to keep up to date with new content, but thanks again, and we'll catch you soon.